Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I am one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. Hello. Reed, aka Sick Robot. Aiden. And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? And in this episode, we're going to be doing a listener mailbag. Hooray! Catching up on stuff. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We've got thirty minutes to drag it down the hallway. It's so heavy. Yeah, we've got we've gotten to the point where we've we've built up a uh, large repertoire of listener questions, (laughs) and at this point, we're we're they're coming in faster than than we're answering them. So the mailbox has been full for like months at this point, and it's just been yeah. piling up around <laughs> the studio. <laughs> Our house is going to get robbed because of all the, the yeah. mail, and it's sending yeah. all the, the signals to the burglars that no one's home. We're going to serve you up so some we're gonna hot, sp- unoriginal content, just the way you like it. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> twenty Beautiful. minutes at a time. Okay, so what? no, we can definitely we get keep into coming that, up and, with and, topics. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> before original. we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? I've been testing out this new hot Theros card. Uh, it's called Nick's Blue Ancient, and uh, it combos <laughs> with Thrasios. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, it just sort of does the job, huh? Yeah. Remember yeah, that time? Nat- Natural Order is definitely a card you can play in CDH. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely is. We, we we played a game where Matt had, uh, I don't know, something like 20 mana before the Nyxwoom Ancient, and then Nyxwoom Ancient and a Seedborn Muse. It was, uh, it was a thing. <laughs> I didn't win, but it's because I let the How? goddamn How Enlightened Tutor resolve. Because I took all the counter spells and the rift out, all my interaction, because I had all these meme plays I wanted to do, and I realized my deck was defenseless. Also, there was a deafening silence, and then an Eidolon of Rhetoric that oh like, my just God. managed to... Yikes. Just enough, yeah. Okay. Also, you can steal enchantment it, and that kind of became a problem. Yeah, that was a problem. Dude, steal God, enchantment. I want to play steal enchantment more Keegan, now. Keegan from, from, shout out to Keegan at QMTG, because he is he has definitely opened my eyes to steal enchantment. I am I am 100% on board with that. It's, it's, always, card. it's always sort of been on my radar as like something that I sort of wanted to play, but I never figured that it would ever have like consistently enough enchantment targets. But I guess now with just like everybody and their mother playing Rhystic Study and Smothering Tithe and all the staple ones and like everything else. Yeah, dude, you get you get access to Sylvan Library in, in non-green decks. Mm-hmm. Sylvan Beautiful. Library with Niv Mizzet. <laughs> dude, okay, here's here's a play. You just get like six islands into play. Somebody plays out a cover of flowers. You're like, ah, it's a bait. Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> what if you're the only blue deck at the table? No, <laughs> you're just you're all just Could adding you to the dark side problem. The only blue deck at a table in this meta. I do every night before I go to sleep. <laughs> Just a pl- uh, just four go- uh, four get rogs, man. That's just my dream. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's all Linden wants to play. Um, oh, I guess the yeah, uh, I guess the pre-release was has... between episodes, right? Oh yeah. Oh, true, yeah. true. Did did all of you guys go to that, or so, I-, I missed it? So uh, Reed yeah. and uh, friend of the show Tom and I did a team sealed pre-release. It was interesting. Uh, it was pretty hard. It, it was intense well. and lasted a very long time. But it was oh fun. my god, it was long. It was so. We got there at like ten in the morning, and we left at like eight <laughs> at night. 
It we was were there for like a solid 10 hours. <laughs> five rounds and then a cut to top four where you open a new pool and build a new oh, deck. And build new decks and then do another round and the, and the top four <laughs> rounds aren't timed. Also, that last <laughs> round took absolutely forever. Oh, yeah. yeah, because for some reason we put me on the blue-black deck and it like control... And I'm not a fast player on control decks. And then f somehow they put their blue-black control player as across from me. Who they also <laughs> mentioned was a very yeah. slow player. Yeah. Oh my god, it was pretty <laughs> I, I, Amazing. Both Tom and I finished my match before... Finished our matches before Reed finished game one. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> and then, yeah. It was so we, long. We, we didn't quite get there. We lost in the in the semis. It was because, um, okay, so... It's your because blue black deck couldn't be as good as Tom's, because Tom's had yes. two Kiora Kiora's best, best the sea the god in it. it. And had... A, that card's so dumb. And had just about, like, eight hard removal spells as well, as well as, like, the, uh, whatever, the flash crabs. <laughs> so it was literally just he lives until seven mana and then you die. <laughs> But yeah, it, nice. was, it was fun, but it was a, oh, a lot funny. of magic. There was a lot of magic. <laughs> well, what's what's not to love about that? You know, who solid solid uh, ten hours ten hours of magic. I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of sealed or uh, especially standard standard. So maybe maybe that's not up my alley. But you know, it it sounds when winning winning and getting to the semifinals that that sounds fun so yeah uh yeah so without further ado we can uh, get into housekeeping and now we're done housekeeping, <laughs> we're done <with> housekeeping. <laughs> finished up <laughs> yeah no 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 new patrons uh since our last episode it's all right but uh you know we will if you're if you're listening and you, and you want to be a patron and get a cool <laughs> colored role in the Discord server and a show <laughs> we, we in the section of the show, yeah, and there's perks, there's, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely do that because we we love our patrons. Um, and yeah, new if developments. We get one more patron, then uh, our lovely and talented editor might be uh, might be pretty happy about that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so. So on to new developments. Uh, we actually got a really short segment for this as well. Uh, we only have one new development, and that's going to be uh, the CEDH cast has put out their first three their two or three episodes. Yeah, depending on how you uh, count whether or not their first episode of like their intro is is a full on episode. But uh, yeah, big big shoutouts to those guys. Uh, definitely friends of the show, and uh, it's great to see other CEDH podcast content out there. Heck yeah, it is um but yeah so that's that's our uh our new developments and uh, we'll uh we'll make sure to link them in the descriptions yeah. on all the platforms oh, for sure, so you for can sure. uh, check them out if you're if you're interested in more sweet sweet podcast content oh yeah who isn't i mean in cdh there's there's <laughs> we've, we've we're kind doubling of... the number of podcasts <laughs> yeah. every month a 100 percent increase yeah, and, and actually, they had a really good episode. I just want to say before we, we move on is that they had a, a great episode uh, where they had Shaper Savant on as a guest to talk about. Um, they talk about the Commander Library, and they also talk about uh, the impact of Thassa's Oracle printing, uh, the printing of Thassa's Oracle. So uh, that's a good good podcast to listen to if you want uh, their take on that as well. And you know, shocker, I'm pretty sure it, it mimics the take that 
we have and almost everyone else in the CDH community has. So not exactly uh, a unique take, but you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our take is, isn't that unique either. But yeah, it's it's, no, it's I, I just in, to, in general, I'm pretty sure like everybody yeah. had the exact same take on that one. But you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so before we get into our actual main topic of, of the mailbag, you know, speaking of Thassa's Oracle, we, we want to kind of just do a kind of where do we go from here? discussion and this is going to be just be real quick because since the last episode released we we recorded that uh like maybe a week before the ban list announcement so you know this is being recorded after the ban list announcement and no changes so there's been a lot of rumblings in the cdh community and edh community generally like both uh both reddits and all over twitter both casual players and competitive players weighing in you know competitive players asking for the support of casual players and you know lots and lots of discussion some toxicity which is what you never want to see but you know it happens and, and it, people are mad yeah. and blah, the blah, situation blah. brings out the worst in people so you know yeah and we we've, we've combed through you know Almost, I, I've I've come through so many comments on and Reddit posts and Twitter threads, and you know I'm sure all of you guys are the same. We're not here. We're not going to recap all of that. We're not going to rehash this discussion, and you know, kind of just stir the pot more. We're we're kind of th- that discussion has been had, and if you want to go, you know, read more about that, you can. There's. A million different threads on reddit that you can follow so we're not really going to be linking to any particular one uh but yeah if you want to do that go ahead but what we're going to be discussing is what are the how do i put this we're, we're going to be talking about what does it mean that there was a no ban or no no ban of flash and that there was no changes announced so we're, we're this is going to be fairly quick so the thing that I wanted to just get out of the way first is that no ban does not mean that it will never come. And that's one thing that people are getting up in arms about is that, oh, you know, no changes. Uh, it's all over the sky is falling. You know what? The RC moves at a snail's pace. It took two and a half years from the time Paradox Engine was printed to the time it was banned. And I know, you know, competitive players were not particularly happy about that ban but from the very beginning it was being complained about by casual players from day one people were saying this card is busted it needs to get banned two and a half years and it's not like there was some great you know new card printed that really uh busted paradox engine wide open that card was as good uh as it as it ever was from the day it was printed right all your soul rings mana crypts signets and talismans mana dorks those have all been in the format forever and nothing new was was printed that yeah busted it wide open I mean, so yeah, you got more talismans but that's pretty minor yeah like you know, like <laughs> you're basically doing the exact same thing from yeah. the start like and the, yeah so the, the fastest ban we've seen in the last like reason long time was yeah. leovold which still took eight months yeah like, sylvan primordial was around for more than a year prophet of krufix was around for more than two years so like they don't just turn around and ban things instantly and that doesn't also the fact that they didn't ban doesn't mean that they're not listening because they absolutely are they've been engaging with a ton of people um, both publicly and privately which is really great to see 
Um, yeah, so- discussions with the RC and CDH community members, um, you know, from from lots of your your favorite content creators and and you know luminaries of the CDH community, as the as Sheldon put it, those discussions are still ongoing. And importantly, some members of the RC and CAG still haven't made up their minds on this issue. So <clears throat> they're still mulling things over. I mean, some some members um, of the RC and CAG have made up their minds. Some of them are pro, some of them are against. And you know what? That's their prerogative. But there are there are minds that are still being made. So, you know, give it give it time. Be a good representative of the CDH community and and present the best arguments. Don't don't you know name call and, and do some of the terrible things that I can, I've been seeing on Twitter Just and Reddit. So be good to each other. Yeah, like yeah, first yeah. of all, it's never going to be effective, and even if it was effective, it's still not okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's awful because I see like some of the some of the toxicity I'm seeing like on Shivam's. Twitter and Shivam is one member of the CAG who has been in our corner like from the beginning. So definitely, definitely it's, it's, it's insane to see people who are like accusing him of, of, you know, being not ignoring CDH players. It's just, it's outrageous. Honestly, just both, if both sides of the open, argument. Yeah. Like both sides of the argument are trying to preserve something that they're passionate about. And even just kind of saying both sides is kind of silly because there aren't even really sides. It's, I think the, there isn't really a confrontation. It's kind of just, you know, both like there are two like distinct groups and, you know, they're both trying to do what's best for like what they love. So yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone, for that. anyone involved here wants another group of people to not enjoy playing commander. Like that's not, yeah. People yeah. have a mutual, different things. It's a mutual love. For, like, yeah. And you know, that, that means they value certain things differently, but at the end of the day, our goals are all the same. Which is to have fun one, playing commander. One thing I t- I want to I want to mention as well because I see this get brought up all the time is that you know oh first of all everyone always attacks Sheldon and there's he, he is not a one man team you know there's there's a there's a four member RC and you know however many people are on are on the keg there's there's a there's a big group of people who are doing this it's not all Sheldon's fault but uh, one thing people is is that they they say that Sheldon has no idea that it's like too strong or anything like that it's like dude <laughs> you can they the rc they know how busted it is okay they they know they they understand that flash does broken things they are not ignorant of magic and, and other magic formats flash I feel like is, they're just is, the is most well qualified known. yeah like, 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 all, like, especially like sheldon has like many years there are, of competitive there are two like judge former like judging, level right? five judges on the rc yeah. they're like they understand yeah, that's, metagame that's <laughs> they're probably one of the most qualified collection of people like in the history of the game to talk about like organizing a format <laughs> also i think one thing that's worth noting is I see a lot of people making a lot of assumptions about how the RC functions or like what it is they know. Um, if you're going to post a comment about what the RC does and how they make decisions, uh, first of all, make sure you can actually name all four people who are on the RC. And second of all, just uh, check your assumptions because I see a lot of things like, oh, well, it's just one play group. And that's it's like, nope, they live all around the country. Um and there's a bunch of assumptions people make about what they may or may not know without even knowing really who's on the committee. Yeah, it's just, just like you just look like, that's, that's you the just best look advice. like an idiot. 
frankly. Yeah, they're 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 highly qualified, and and most of what the the contention is for them has to do with just the philosophy and direction of the format, and those are things that are harder to uh, to decide on. So, like if you're gonna if you're gonna talk to them, you know, talk to them in terms of the language that they're using the philosophy that that they've put forth and you can read that in like they're on their website in the philosophy document um yeah speak to them in that language or make your arguments in that language don't just be like well you know it's really busted and competitive and you should balance the ban list for competitive like that's just going nowhere and it's clear you're, that you're that's asking, never you're happening asking, yeah you're asking yeah. for the entire world there uh yeah, try to try to try to make a case using using their own their own logic. Um, yeah, and and speaking of their own logic, uh, one thing that we've seen get thrown around a lot by casual players and members of the CAG slash RC. I mean, less so the RC, mostly uh, some CAG members I've seen is uh, using Rule Zero in uh, uh, to kind of address the issue of flash and there's all kinds of arguments that i've seen you know put forth as a retort to this but one thing i do want to address is that rule zero is sometimes a viable solution now understand that it is not we 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 all understand here that it is not it does not work for everyone some people have you know their own the only cdh they play is in you know lgs tournaments and and the lgs you know adheres to the commander ban list or sometimes you're playing with randoms and you need you, this is what like the ban list is for stated by the rc is that you know you need some kind of rule structure so that you can meet you know with the lgs at like you can meet and play against random players at lgs's and whatnot but you, and you have some sort of common rules to go by but the whole idea of rule zero in commander is that when you're playing with your friends and you're playing a regular play group, you know, in your uh, basement and, you know, drinking some beers or, or whatever, that you guys can talk things out and agree to deviate from the rules as they are. You can, you can use uncommanders, you can ban cards you don't like. I mean, you, you look at uh, casual EH as it is, and you can argue that there's a million different formats where, you know, Different playgroups are are banning things like uh, mass land destruction and whatnot, and and these are all kind of rule zero ban lists, uh, a, a supplemental ban lists. So, if you really are opposed to flash, and you don't like playing in this kind of meta, you don't like playing against this kind of deck where there's like a tier zero deck in the format, then talk to your playgroup. You know. Just say, you know, maybe I'm not interested in playing in these, these kinds of games. And, you know, if they're reasonable and understanding, you guys can generally come to some sort of agreement. And maybe you're like, okay, we'll we'll play this one game with uh, with Sushi Hulk. And then after that, you know, I'm kind of just want to move on to something else. Let's play some off-meta uh, decks or, or, or whatever. You know, these are things that happen... You listen to any like casual or or you know mid power uh, podcast for for EDH, and I listen to a bunch of them, and they talk about these kinds of uh, problems that their listeners have all the time. It's such a common thing in power levels that aren't CDH to you know have one quick game where things aren't aren't aligned and then move on to something else. So definitely try 
that approach if you're having if it's causing a bunch of issues but you know again we understand that it doesn't work for everyone so in that case you know we are still pro uh flash ban so and certainly i just wanted to get that off my chest certainly you also can't expect these decisions to be made unilaterally don't try and impose something that the rest of your playgroup really doesn't want on them um but yeah like obviously there's no harm in asking and you know like everyone wants to have fun right so if yeah, you, people... you don't get to be the the final arbiter of everyone else but you do get to control how you enjoy the game so if you're not enjoying it you don't have to play or you can go do something else it's but but don't yeah don't try and, and fun police other people that's because that's one problem that you know we've fought long and hard for as cdh players of this is a viable way to play the game and you know what it's it's a viable way to play the game with uh with sushi hulk so you don't get to you know browbeat your your play group into not playing so <laughs> yeah i think that's pretty well said awesome yeah, great that. so with with uh with that out of the way let's get into uh something a little more uh lighthearted and, and interesting hopefully and that's going to be our uh mailbag so I'll start things off by reading the question. Uh, and the first question comes to us from Zeke the Impaler. Uh, Zeke's question is, do you have any advice for starting slash maintaining a CDH playgroup? My local LGS stopped hosting CDH because of poor attendance. So who has something to say about this? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. well, okay. I think a, is, a quick rule that um, helps a lot to at least have an understanding of is... Um, you know, not everyone can afford a CDH deck. Uh, CDH is kind of like the biggest proxy format. Um, so absolutely having a proxy-friendly environment is a great way of starting. Um, yeah. Morgan? Um, I mean, you know, every community is different, and it, it is possible that there just isn't the density of players who are interested in your region, depending on where you live, because it is a pretty niche format. Um but I think that, you know, you need to figure out what you, what the people who are showing up do want or the people who might show up want. So maybe that means, you know, actually a good prize structure would entice people to come out, but it might also be the opposite. You know, talk to the people who show up very occasionally and say, like, would you rather this actually be kind of non-committal? You don't have to worry about, oh, I'm, you know, spending 20 bucks and I'm, you know, to play magic. Or is it like, oh, you actually want the prizes because you think you can, you know, get some reward for your time and playing well. Um, but yeah, like it is it is going to be hard in a lot of places um, just because of how how few play how few players there are and how difficult it can be to get decks together. And it's also not a particularly beginner friendly format because there's just so much more stuff to keep track of. You know, yeah. like the concept of threat assessment doesn't really exist in 1v1 magic, and that's like a huge amount of skill and experience and knowledge to get good at that. Um, that's another another important thing is when you do have new players, um, help them, you know, give them advice, but don't be overbearing. Um yeah, maybe maybe when you're playing with new players isn't the best time to flex all your politicking skills and you know try and make some like 
really advantageous for you deal and like you know concealing information and and doing flexing all your you know great player skills and cdh like yeah you know maybe maybe it's it's time that you be more transparent and kind of explain and point out oh you know i'm the threat right now because of blah 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 so help them it's you're getting them getting new players into cdh is a lot is going to be getting them up to speed and the quicker they're up to speed the the more they can enjoy the format because honestly learning cdh i don't think is particularly fun it it really isn't <laughs> you just it's really it's it just can be pretty get, like, hard if you don't have even if you do have a good play group like even playing a good deck you can just get like mercilessly stomped by things that you don't really understand why they happened and like well yeah like the reasons why you lose it's abstracted and then like not, even if you're just winning right yeah. like if you if you don't know what's going on and you're like you're, you're not understanding like the awesome plays that you're making it's like oh you know i yeah. sandbag this counter spell just for this right moment and boom you get that awesome payoff right like there's there's lots i, I find a lot of the rewarding experience to be from forming a, pa- a plan and executing it uh so if you don't really know what's going on and and it, it just becomes harder to accomplish those kinds of things so try your best to bring everyone up to speed um by sacrificing some of your some of your win rate a bit yeah particularly and you don't have to go you don't have to go one to a hundred right like you can always gradually make your way up to cdh yeah, and you can, you can lead by example or you can you know you could specifically you know ask um both are pretty effective methods uh, um and sorry just going back to the the politics thing a little bit like i can say as uh a moderator of two two different um discord servers where a decent amount of cdh is played one of the most common sources of conflict is uh a new player an inexperienced player just getting completely like puppeteered by a more experienced player you know for whatever reason and then, you know, there's a big argument after the game. The person who did the puppeteering, yeah, they won the game. The person who, the other experienced player in the pod is upset because, like, what happened was so egregious. The person who was puppeteered feel used. And pretty much no one walks away from that scenario feeling good about it. So, you know, when you're teaching, try and give people good information rather than sort of manipulating the information you give them to win a game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I I feel like also big picture people, big the, picture. <laughs> like, I think like you could probably have some people coming back with with arguments about like, oh, I want to practice my politics and whatever. But like, first of all, against new players isn't the time to do that. <laughs> and also, uh, you don't necessarily like politics comes naturally from just playing games, and you sort of like just learn how to play with people and stuff and you don't necessarily have to like consciously go hard on that all the time and you don't have to like consciously like try to politic people in like games that don't necessarily matter especially like if you're not playing in a league or anything like that just yeah just chill yeah, if out you, yeah <laughs> if you win by alienating your entire play group uh you win one game yeah and then you never <laughs> and play you don't get to play, and you don't get to play games yeah. again so <laughs> so you know the the other aspect of this uh, question in terms of maintaining a CDH play group. Um, so I think one thing that's important is to set kind of regular 
meeting times yeah. and also to maybe so cdh players um they're they're not necessarily it's not like edh players where you can go to any lgs on on you know they're given edh night and you're gonna you're gonna get games in cdh typically requires uh dedicated cdh nights and you know spreading your message far and wide yeah. and some people are gonna have to commute and so that's it's just the way it's it very, is like it's a super grassroots thing at pretty much any level um yeah like you're, very very grassroots you're gonna have to you have that, to take initiative and you're gonna have to like hold a play group together because if you don't put in the effort to keep people showing up and make sure that the events are happening uh like regularly then you're just you're just gonna lose people yeah so some great models are like the uh the michigan in michigan they've got a monthly cdh meetup and they have a they rotate which city it's in so that you know you know one week or one month Someone might have to commute, you know, a couple hours, but then, you know, the the next month it's in their city or they only have to commute like, you know, 20 minutes. So that kind of structure allows them to pull people from a very large area. So one of the things Reed, Reed mentioned was like grassroots, right? You're not, it's it's very rare. I, I think it's pretty rare that you're going to have a large CDH play group sprout up from a small population base. So uh morgan matt and myself we all hail from the kingston cdh community uh which i think is quite <laughs> anomalous in in so most cdh like large cdh playgroups come from big cities uh so toronto we have you know in the toronto cdh you're, you're pulling from lots of people and most of whom are not from the same playgroup originally it's not like everyone started off as uh you know mid-power casual and then slowly arms raced up to cdh which is how you know some of these uh, isolated CDH playgroups start, but in in these bigger cities, you're you're pulling from a lot of different people. So you know that's when you might want to implement something like the Michigan model. But the Kingston is 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 quite anomalous in that it's a fairly small-ish city and has a large CDH playgroup, and that's that's going to be something that you're going to have to put in work into fostering. Uh, yourself and, yeah. and making sure uh, that yeah, people are actually interested. Hard, hard to up. give advice on how to replicate something like that. Uh, I think, I think you can give, like, at least I'll, I'll try to give some general advice on the subject, though. Um, even though I'm not organized, thanks, thanks, Tom, for doing all the organizing for Toronto. Um, yes, thank yeah. you, Tom. <laughs> Friend of the show, Tom organizes pretty much all of Toronto's CDH in like every form. So thank you. But um I think for if you're looking to just like grow a CDH playgroup or just like get people interested in it and to like try to get more pods firing, um really like a big thing is just getting involved in the magic scene in your city, town, in your population, and just like getting to know all the people that play magic because it tends to be a picking pretty off regular the legacy players yeah, exactly it tends to be a pretty <laughs> regular crowd and if you're also interested in playing other formats other than like even like edh and you're also like going to an lgs once a week to play like modern or pioneer or whatever um you can definitely like get to know a lot of people and they'll they might end up knowing you as like the weird competitive edh dude <laughs> but like it's good you get it you get a reputation and like you can just you know, pick people off, get them interested. Be like, hey, you want to like yeah, test out go, sometimes? Show up to Legacy Night wearing a trench coat. And what's the kid from that cartoon, The Re Recess, 
where he would like open his trench coat <laughs> and he'd have all these like different things in his trench coat, like all these different things that you, you try to pawn off on people. You do just that. You, go to, you show up to like... Legacy Night, yeah, and you just like open your coat and you've got all these like top tier CDH decks and you're like, <laughs> hey, Legacy player, might I interest you in one of these decks? That's, uh, yeah, we that's that's the number one method that we yeah. endorse as a podcast. So Wear a trench coat yeah. Yeah. and fill it with Next cardboard. Next question. Uh, and this question comes to us from Tegan. Uh, what non-banned card is the least fairly designed card given the rules of this particular format? Essentially, what card benefits the most from Commander being 4-player, 40-life, singleton, and color-locked as opposed to the traditional 2-player, 20-life, non-singleton, non-color-locked formats? Wow, so, there's a lot. There's, yeah, a, there's lot, a lot to there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, one, this does kind of read like a gut check. Yeah, right. But, um, uh, so I, I do have an answer. I, like, I do have a, a one card that I can talk about, but I that there are definitely plenty of cards. I there. have like exactly. I have like I, I recognize that there are probably better answers, but I have one that popped into my head immediately when I read this question. Um, Let's hear it. And I think that one is Adnaz. Yeah, it's the just, same way I mean, that I because thought. I mean, forty life is is huge. It's, it's also it's the yeah. it's the forty life, but also it's the fact that um, like mm. in 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 regular like one v one formats, the fact that ad nauseum is an instant doesn't necessarily tend to come up that much. You're really only like the only time it ever really comes up is when you're playing against a deck with a fair amount of counter magic, and you need to be able to slip it in, or like you need to be able to like threaten having it. And like, hopefully, like try to find like a discard spell and then force an Adnaz through. And it's just like now, the the threat of having it is really like more impactful than actually being able to cast it in his speed. So I, that I, being said, I think it's in, uh, sorry. It, it I just want to note. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to note that it says in the question it was what non banned card is the least fairly designed. So it's it's. Because it's uh, Tegan specified, given the rules of this format and, and all these different criteria, yep. things that are just obviously very strong, um, like Mana Crypt, Soul Ring, Flash, those are all kind of you know just being ignored because they're not particular to they, this. They're just set they're of just arguably not format. every format. Yeah. in one formats that yeah. they are in. Yeah. 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 So if, if you're wondering why we're not going to mention those cards, that is why. So but yeah. So I think. Sorry, I, can I just yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So just like the fact that um, it's very, it's fairly rare uh, in like one v one formats that the instant speed on Adnaz particularly matters. I mean, like potentially, like you you can do it in response to an LED, but like it's it's not like you're doing it on somebody else's turn that matters. It's just like the timing stuff. In EDH, it matters a whole lot that you can cast an ad nauseum on somebody else's turn, right? The like, only twenty five percent of the turn time is yours. It's it's Half so much it's as so as much as more impactful like it's it's and like it's this a, is it's a basically it's for the same reason that uh we'll link morgan's write up on uh flash and multiplayer um because that's basically the same concept but it's just the you get so much more time to cast it and you get like you're just you get so many more windows from being able to just hold up the five mana and like well, have other people have to do things and you, you can but like that that's my view on it and that's like so, my specific part that i identify it with but morgan so i definitely have to disagree here like obviously you benefit hugely from the 40 life that's like obviously um the the multiplayer nature of the format like yes the fact that it's an instant becomes better but it also um 
the multiplayer nature of the format also means that not developing stuff is typically much worse than it is in 1v1. Like, if you don't develop stuff and you hold up interaction, and then your opponent doesn't play anything threatening, you don't spend your interaction, but your opponent also didn't develop a threat. But when you have three opponents, that logic doesn't really hold, right? You hold up an interaction for some win condition, and one of your other opponents plays a Rhystic Study or a Bloom Tender or something like that. It's like, well, now you're behind that opponent. Um, so there are positives and negatives to, like, holding up five mana in a multiplayer format is a big ask, particularly if you're trying to do it with not a super high certainty that you are going to have an opportunity to cast ad nauseum. And it's very obvious, like, people see it from really far away because otherwise it's really not a good idea to hold up five mana. Um, the other thing is that the singleton is like a... It really makes Ad Nauseam a lot worse. Like, you have one Dark Ritual in 100 cards, not four in 60. Um, and just the consistency on... Be I mean, like, if we compare it to... I think Legacy is probably the most apt comparison. To, to the um, way that it's used in Modern, yeah. Or, sorry, the way that it's used in CDH, yes. To the way that it's used in CDH. Like, the, the decks... Like, there are obvious differences, you know, we have Sol Ring and Crypt, so it's a lot easier to get to the five mana with cards in hand. Well, especially from zero mana. It's it's a lot easier to get off the ground from zero mana in CDH, I think. Yeah, but, but, well, is it? Because, like, you still have four Lotus Petals in in Legacy, right? That That's actually, yeah, that's fair. Um, Like, the odds that you get a Lotus Petal in an Ad Nauseam are pretty high. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think that in in many ways the the singleton the the advantages from the 40 life sort of they counterbalance the advantages for or the disadvantages from the singleton but i don't necessarily think they're substantially outweighed by them um like ad nauseum is not a certain card particularly when you're casting it from like I don't know, 34, which is like a very reasonable life total to just sort of get down to before you yeah, actually cast it. doesn't it. take much life to actually take you off of an extremely effective ad nauseum. Yeah, like the, the, the win percentages start to drop off pretty quickly after you take more than about five damage, unless you're on like a super low curve deck, then you can take a little more. But, um, okay, well, outside of ad nauseum, which I think we've covered pretty, pretty thoroughly, there, there's some aspects. So, we there's we talked about kind of life total and singleton now in terms of multiplayer there's some cards that i think are much much improved by the multiplayer but aren't you know obvious so things like timna uh obvious right it's designed for multiplayer so the it gets better with multiplayer and having multiple opponents now some cards that are designed for single player that you know, our CDH staples uh, like Mystic Remora and Carpet of Flowers are yeah. cards that are much improved by, and, and you know, Ristic Study as well. Smothering that, right? are much improved. Smothering Ties is the big one. <laughs> Smothering Ties was really designed with, I think, like, it was designed with Commander in mind. But I, th I uh, think. Whereas Carpet of Flowers, Mystic Remora, uh, Ristic Study were not. And the reason why I think they're much improved by multiplayer, just to kind of make it obvious, is that. If you're if you're main decking Carpet of Flowers in you know let's say some legacy deck, it you're not 
gear your chances of running into a blue deck and being you know minus a card or so yeah running into yeah a, a non-blue deck and being minus a card they're they're probably too large to uh merit its inclusion in the main deck great out of the sideboard when you know you're going to face someone who's playing blue but in commander carpet of flowers is like a slam dunk because it's almost guaranteed you're going to be facing someone who's on blue out of three players, three opponents, at least one of them is going to be on blue. And now you've got this amazing card. And Mystic Remora, you know, the idea of, of cumulative upkeep, you get to have it in play for one opponent's turn. Um, and it's much easier for them to play around in uh, in 1v1 because, you know, they can slowly tax you out of it with cumulative upkeep. But in multiplayer, you get to pay one mana for Mystic Remora and you get three opponents you get to have the opportunity to draw cards from. And, and it, there's also the the element where if one of them develops without feeding it, like they're playing a creature-based dork deck, so they play like Fabro Elder on turn two, then the people who have Signets or whatever in hand, now there's a lot more pressure on them to actually develop. Like if one person's playing the game and two people are just like, well, I guess we can't play the game without feeding you cards, you're actually a lot more likely to get cards. And even the creature-based mana decks um, play a lot of enchantments that trigger more and do, and obviously, like, you know, Commander is a format where you kind of have a hard time avoiding tutors, and so they do play tutors, um, and they do play, you know, great interaction spells like, you know, the, the class of forces, and they, those all trigger Remora. Uh, and yeah, I would yeah. even, so just to add to the point too, I would even argue that 40 life benefits Remora, um, specifically because um, of how weak just aggro-based strategies are. You can pay... You can keep paying the upkeep cost on Remora um, without feeling threatened that you will lose just to, because you don't have a board presence. Well, also just in, due to how effective the card draws. Also, because like aggro decks tend to be like a large, like they they would they would tend to be like much a much higher percent creatures than uh, like the combo decks that we see in CDH. So the fact that you can't really play like creature based aggro means Remora is a lot better too because there's no like. You can't just like run into like a red deck wins type thing and then just like have it completely bricked by one player. Like everybody's on spells. Yeah. So yeah. so the trend you see in these in these kinds of cards and the big the big kind of rules text to look out for is when it says whenever an opponent does something because of you get the more opportunity. So some cards that I didn't mention, compost, runic armosaur. Um, these are all cards that see play in in competitive format, you know, not nearly as much as Mr. Grimora, but uh, they still do see play, and they the only reason they are able to is because of this kind of text and the nature of multiplayer. I think there's also some other sort of interesting effects. Um, I mean, okay, so, you know, Tainted Pact benefits a lot from the fact that it's Singleton, um, yeah, but there's also true. some interesting uh, stuff more along the lines of effects like Veil of Summer or Silence or potentially Boseju where um against one opponent they would kind of let you play through one piece of interaction but against three they can actually potentially be much more impactful um and like they have a lot of different uses that do, you don't necessarily get opportunities to do in uh in 1v1 formats like the you cast a silent or you cast a veil of summer to protect like you try and counterspell something they counterspell back you cast veil of summer it resolves you're also now free to cast your vampiric tutor or whatever um 
So there's and, just a and, lot of ways that... And, like, the non-blue player can't cast the removal at you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And one, one thing that I think we, we missed in our Adnos discussion on 40 Life was uh, Sylvan Library. That's a card that taking eight life to draw two extra yeah. cards in uh, 1v1 can be, you know, devastating. But uh, in in 40 Life, it's much easier to absorb that. And the, the last thing that... Um, the last kind of category here was get a uh, color locked as opposed to you know not being color locked so i off the top of my head can't think of any cards that like strongly benefit from the format being color locked um do you guys do you guys have any anything on that front um well i mean mm. i think all of the low color commanders in red and blue to an extent benefit from it because or quasi benefit from it in that they it's sort of free for them to run things like back to basics or uh blood moon since they don't actually have the option to like it, it's not really a benefit it's sort of negating a downside but because um, i mean just, blood i guess moon just the class of like non-symmetric in... stacks right like i guess linvala kind of counts and so while in commander you know four color decks are you know the more colors you get the the more powerful cards you can get to run because the mana fixing is fine so you do get blood moon punishing those kinds of decks it's being color locked um isn't so does doesn't boost those cards that much stronger than they are in in, in yeah. uh 2v2 no. because i think just generally more colors better cards is a trend that's stable across both forms uh both and i think formats. it's just like because the also just the mana hate being so much less efficient in EDH as opposed to um, like stuff like Wasteland or uh, Field of Ruin or Ghost Quarter yeah. or Blood Moon in 1v1 formats uh, being a lot better means that like it's just there's even more reason to just not be in lower numbers of colors even aside from the mana facing. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, I think I think we gave some good answers there. Hopefully that satisfies uh your question tegan uh next question uh from pibis we have aside from the timna problem and the flash problem i have a feeling that the top tier strategies are all relying on a very narrow group of finishers maybe it's subjective but it seems like we're really looking at uh everything running dramatic scepter or consult do you think that the format is fully explored in terms of viable ways to close out the game and for context this is from pre-oracle spoiler yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just oh, yeah, so we, yeah just so we get uh, that out there <laughs> um so well morgan you want to start yeah i i don't necessarily think it's i think it's fully is is obviously a very extreme word i think it's very well explored in terms of ways of closing out the game and these are um the ones that are most efficient in terms of how useful the cards are on their own, how many cards you need, what the setup requirements are, and their hate vulnerability. Um, those are the ones that we see. Now, it is possible that those might shift in response to meta shifts. Like, it used to be that Scepter was, like, all over the place. And now lots of decks are actually, like, cutting Scepter. Um, but I also think that it's, like, when we're talking about something like Flash and Timna versus Finishers... I think it also isn't necessarily the same kind of problem. Like, it doesn't really matter, at, or at least 
from my perspective, it doesn't seem to matter all that much how a deck, if all the decks use the same finishers, if there is actually a diverse group of strategies and paths to getting there. So if we look at something like Consult, like, I don't know, I've been having fun playing Sad Farm, uh, Timna Silas Farm, Turbo Ad Nauseam. Like, that deck wins with Consult most of the time, but it wins with Consult off, like, a turn three storm off into Mind's Desire, or, like, early, early Ad Nauseam versus something like curious control which like wants the game to go as long as possible and draws like half of its deck before finally winning with consult so the finisher itself doesn't necessarily give a good indication of how the deck plays ending the game is often largely like the card that literally makes you win is not the card that got you to the winning state which is sort of the important thing to keep diverse in my opinion i do so i i agree to a point i think um i'm I'm in the same boat i agree i I think i think it's true that win cons shouldn't be like saying like oh i don't want to win with the same win condition as um that deck is probably like a bit overblown and I, i don't think is like super valid i think that yeah like it, it shouldn't really matter what you're winning with um, as long as the decks play different and the strategies play different. That being said, I do think that there's an issue with the group of finishers, like even pre-Oracle. Um, I, I think there's still an issue with the group of finishers that we're seeing play just because we've seen this trend over the past three years of more and more efficient commander agnostic win cons being printed, which I think is a real issue. Um, uh, I don't think it's just that they're being printed. I think that this is just a trend that, you know, Labman Consult has been in the format for a long time. Uh, and, you know, obviously Jace kind of enabled that strategy further. But it's it's kind of been something that's been re- almost rediscovered. Well, so uh, sort of, yeah. So for specifically Consult, I wouldn't actually say that. Um, that like pure Consult before Jace uh wasn't really doable outside of Kess just because the combo is actually fairly um like it's fairly fragile and like pure console without Jace or Oracle is actually like comparable to Doomsday and Doomsday is better in a lot of cases. Well so you can kind of just if you want to reduce it even further from consult to just laboratory maniac Right. Well, the, like no, how, no, but, at, but at I, what point do you, do you reduce the abstraction? Like, do you say consult is the win versus no, doomsday? Because no, no, the doomsday lines were. I'm, I'm not getting. I'm not getting into right? that kind of like discussion. I'm just saying that like we've seen over the past few years the like certain key pieces being printed, and the general shifts in the meta toward just win cons that don't necessarily care what's in the command zone to work. And I, I think that is an issue. I, th- I think well, that I, it's a lot healthier for the format in order, like, when you have win cons that depend on commanders, because it that, like, inherently introduces more difference in how decks play. Well, but I think that the reason we're seeing that as an issue, like, I think the, the causal root of that is actually that the commanders that you get to put your commander agnostic combos in are too good not so much that the combos themselves are too good like the the fact would would we see a lot of dedicated consults decks 
or these sort of dedicated, very, you know, tight wincon package, commander agnostic. Like, the problem is that they let you play Thrasios and Timna, not that they let you play whatever you want. It's that Thrasios and Timna are too good when you have a reliable way to win the game that doesn't like Thrasios and Timna console, are console too- was going to make its way into so many yeah, other like decks it, even you, if you, you couldn't play Thrasios and Timna like every like most five color shells and Tassiger and but I'm not actually convinced that it's so okay if we set aside any commander that's more than three colors and says draw cards on it I'm not actually convinced that those decks without like I, I'm not convinced that those the decks that we're left with that consult is much better in the decks that it's in versus commander reliant win cons in the decks that they're in. I think what happens is that a lot of the you much like the actual commander agnostic win cons, if you knock one off, the next best one becomes very popular. Like you look at Doomsday when Doomsday was a big thing. It wasn't just one Doomsday deck, right? You you didn't have uh, Icer Rev, you didn't have Consult being big, you didn't have Flash Hulk, but Doomsday was everywhere, right? All sorts of Doomsday decks, lots of Grixis Doomsday. But, you know, as more of these have been printed, it's just been, you supplant Doomsday with the next best thing, and then it, that becomes pervasive, right? So you've got that problem inherent to these Commander Agnostic win cons, but... You know, if you knock off the best generic commanders, Thrasius Timna, you're still going to see the next best generic, you know, value engine commanders adopting commander agnostic strategies. Um, Uh, Kenrith. Okay, so let's say, okay, but let's say we didn't have... Like, look at Xur. Xur is a really good example, right? Xur has run Doomsday in the past, it's run Isorev in the past, it's run Consult. Like, sure. But I I don't think Xur and Kess running... Console is inherently an issue. I think the issue that we're seeing right now is that the reward for your combo being commander agnostic is too high. Yeah, so like yeah, I, I think that's pretty I, much exactly like, my my thought. I was I was about to say like I'm more comfortable with everything running Doomsday personally, and I think that's probably healthier in my opinion, just because there like there's an actual deck building cost to that combo, and you have to play I bad agree. cards, yeah, right? Yeah, Where like fair. the, the issue is all the commander agnostic win cons right now are just better than the commander dependent win cons as well for the most part so like they're like yeah. you, things they're, are healthy when there's a they're balance. both too good when there's they're a both too good and too splashable which i which i think was the core of the point that i was trying to make originally which is that like they're they're you can play them in everything and they're also the most efficient things yeah, i when I, you get to run a, a really efficient food chain package it's great when your commander sucks <laughs> That's 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 where we want to be ideally, right? When yeah. you're running these really strong, yeah. efficient win cons, your commander you don't you don't get there, much out yeah, of your there, commander. There, sh- there should be a trade off in of usefulness in the command zone versus like efficiency of win cons. In in my opinion, I'm not- yeah, Tassiger is about where I want like Thrasios to be. <laughs> that's that's what I. <laughs> not much stronger than yeah. that. Yeah. So like yeah, Tasker strong. I mean, I think you. We're I largely think just sort we've of looking converged at the on yeah from different like we agree that where these two things intersect it's too good yes um and we're just looking at sort of bringing which which half of it are we bringing down and like personally I'd rather see 
the the I think that the reward for any commander agnostic combo is too high. And I think that it you could go a lot deeper on cutting out the best commander agnostic combos and still have that be true with with both Kenrith and Thrasios Timna. Well, it's it's just a pair of just the color creep and power in the command zone creep as well as the wincon creep. We're we're we're, we're Matt, probably yeah, just we're something? probably just too far in at this point in both cases. Matt, yeah, you, you were gonna say something. Um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we can cut that. We can cut that. But I, you were you were about to talk, and then I think Morgan and and Reed got into something, and then I was like, I okay. might have picked up. A, I was talking to the cat briefly. <laughs> Beautiful. God. You can we're, we're so yeah. not engaging that Matt's just talking to his cat to yeah, pass the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep the the cat away from the mic. That's a real a real strategic. <laughs> trying to okay. keep the cat yeah. away from the power. Yeah. So we can wrap up. Well, this no, wait. Let's yeah. let's. Do we want to just talk about like any sort of potential? win conditions that like the question wasn't actually about the discussion yeah we just I, had. I, okay sure 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 i think it's fully um, explored okay we'll cool. finish this last part yeah okay and then so to answer to, to talk about the the last portion of this question which is do you think the format is fully explored in terms of viable ways to close out the game i mean personally i think that most viable like i don't think there's going to be any shockers like nothing is going to be like whoa i can't believe we didn't put two and two together that these are cards that combo together crazy out of the existing card pool i think uh things are either going to get printed it actually took a while to find the spellseeker and all the lines like i don't think we're going to find i don't think we're going to find a better commander agnostic win condition than the ones we've already found but better and like those Mm. and the commanders you get to run sort of knock a lot of these other ones out but in a world where Thrasios, Timna, and Kenrith don't exist, something like the Spellseeker and Nala Lines would actually have been a very large development. I, just, I think the current set of combos draw on aspects from not just Commander, but pretty much all like formats, and also formats and states. You know, since their inceptions, like I think it would be extremely. I think it'd be extremely impressive um, if some new novel way of you know, comboing or winning the game was revealed that was, like, very much different than what we see but now. But Matt, why don't we have a Mr. Toad's Wild Ride yet in CDH? That's a new way of why winning this. I'm working on Nick's Bloom Ancient. You can figure oh, out the rest. I think, sorry, I had a real point that, that are, I wanted to bundle oh. with that. Sorry, just before. Yeah, sure. I think, personally, like, I there probably are, like, some decent win cons left out there, but Honestly, I feel like there have been enough people at this point who have just done the scryfall trolling and scryfall just like just flipping through Guilty. pages and pages of vanilla bullshit just to look through. Like, I feel like enough people have done that enough times at this point that I don't think we're going to see any like real large shakeups. <laughs> Yeah, Who's like, reading the comprehensive me. rules? Because really, what we need is someone to be correlating every <laughs> yeah. rule to all the possible interactions. Yeah, no, never. And like, I, show, I, me, I show me every card that says like enters or leaves or dies yeah. on it. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like yeah, it's it's just like, and I feel like we've gone like we figured out like all the stuff that that combos right, like the general like the general classes of things that combo, and I feel like we've distilled most of those down already. It's like you yeah like the you have like the bounce stuff for like infinitely like looping ETBs and making that happen. 
like teamer saber tooth with all of that class of stuff you have like the getting stuff back from grave and recurring stuff that we've pretty much gone through with reanimation and then like we pretty much done all the infinite mana stuff at this point from yeah. like untapping you're not gonna things. be surprised by the by new combinations of cards the only thing that i think in terms of whether or not it's fully explored is whether or not we've correctly assessed the power level of certain combos uh so some things that i think actually might not be fully explored or or might be underrated i think uh world gorger dragon reanimation for infinite mana i think is maybe a tad underrated right now especially people keep um, cutting nature's claim oh dude do you, do you know what is <laughs> incredibly underexplored ghostly flicker loops okay mr just, dude, player. dude i'm telling you the card is insane you just you target an archaeomancer with it you target okay. a mystic sanctuary oh my god you're off to the races well you, can't just I think delegate you, you, you brought up the other one i was gonna yourself. say uh mystic sanctuary i think is one that think, is not being fully maximized have, and this was in I my in end of year so review prediction to try to break that card <laughs> I mean, Sanctuary like I, I, is just kind of yeah. insane value. I just, dude, I just, can uh, somebody, can somebody just help it. me with my Melek deck, please? <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> want to play Melek with ghostly, with ghostly flicker and Mystic Sanctuary loops. <laughs> dude, I'll help you with your Melek deck. Oh, what? beautiful. Dude, he's Sounds a, sweet. He's like so Elsha, bad. except like he has like a one card combo that's not Proteus Staff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. To be so, serious, I think that, I think that, uh, kind of going into what Lyndon was saying, um, and kind of you know adding a bit to it, um, I think that there are possibly some lower powered combos that have higher redundancy or higher you know alternate value. Like I think, I mean I'm, I've explored this territory before, but I think like having get, the Gitrog win condition package in other decks is actually a lot stronger than what people have realized, and it's because it's just such a strong card by itself. And what are you doing? You're sacrificing one land to put in a Dakmore, and then if you somehow have seven cards in hand, you know, you're, you're just sculpting? Like, like that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, that just is so dumb. Well, I certainly hope, as the resident Gitrog pilot, that Gitrog in the 99 catches on and everyone joins the... Uh, the frog the frog collective uh that's that's definitely something that i would find very uh very appealing but i think that 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 puts a a, a nice little uh bow on this question <laughs> <laughs> when we've gotten to the point where we're discussing get rog secret commander get rog yeah, in cdh right. mm -hmm. uh, but uh yeah so ne next question we have from uh Jacodal. uh his question is by changing one color uh i.e. swap black for blue well, shouldn't, shouldn't that be eg no <laughs> only swapping uh, <laughs> black for blue yep yeah. i mean okay who else is, i'll yeah, start from the game <laughs> by changing one color for example uh, eg swap black for blue in a commander's color identity what commander would you improve the most so reading it reading it as is <laughs> only black for yeah, blue you can't tack on dude, a color <laughs> dude we're no, all swap black for blue. You play flash the deck. Of course, dude. What does blue? What does blue green Hulk like miss the most? It's missing sackouts. It's missing sackouts. It's missing free sackouts. Okay, no, and then you get Morgan to pull is right. one. You get black to pull one in the command zone. 
It just well, I'm gonna pull people. a read, okay? But you know what deck is actually missing Black Tutors? Mono Black Teferi. Now imagine that. <laughs> Chain Bail combo. You have Bubbling Muck. You don't oh, even lose dang. your High Tide. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... Mono Black, that's, that's such a color break that's... that's yeah, so I know. Funny. I know. So, god. <laughs> hey, that's well, amazing. You can do um, it. Dude, okay. I think I think we were discussing this earlier, and Morgan, I'm not sure if you remember this, but I f- like fully agree with this of like mono green Yogmoth, where you get you get like Young Wolf and Strangle Root Geist, and you get like all of the creature tutors. The creature yeah, like tutors? you get like the yeah, full yeah. creature tutor suite, which is like more than the black tutors but that you get in Mono Black. Much less well set up to win with the Yogmoth Sparkin, like the mana. Drawing thirty cards is a lot harder to translate into a win. Hey, dude, t- tell it to Savala. Come on, dude. No, the thing is, Savala <laughs> also makes a buttload of mana. Dude, just dude, you, you, just you, find, you, you play it like modern. You play like modern Neo Brand. <laughs> you kidding? You're running. You're running like just. You're you're running. What's the the biggest? Uh, is it like World no, no, Spine no, it's, Worm? It's the new one. It's the Mono Green card Worm. Siege Breaker Worm, and then you're running. Uh, you're running Nourishing Shoal. Dude, easy. Um, so yeah, looking at uh, maybe commanders with a few more colors. Uh, basically <laughs> anything that's red and white and three colors. If you swap one of red or white for blue or black, uh, it becomes a lot better. Yeah. So um, like, like if if Elsha or Kikar were either of Grixis or Esper, that would be pretty great. <laughs> oh, baby. Uh, be ridiculous. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, yeah, yeah, color identity. Yeah. So I guess you, that also means if you're swapping Kikar for something, you have to cut, you get to swap the, the mana ability on him to uh, change that oh, from making black? red, which oh, is no. basically colorless <laughs> mana, <laughs> to making black uh, mana. Marath, That's big. Marath seems like yeah. it would be pretty good. Ma- in, Marath is know, like actually Jund just better gave in Abzan. Or... Um, uh, Samut in Teamer seems like it would be pretty sweet. I would be very down for that. Samut is like, like pod commander. You could oh, yeah. almost do if you put like if you put Samut into black, you could do like Hermit Druid stuff with your haste commander. I mean, paying five mana to give your Hermit Druid haste seems pretty underwhelming. Yeah, but give everything else haste too. <laughs> I think a Sultai Corvold could be kind of nuts. Uh, I was God. thinking yep. Corvold. Yep. Corvold is pretty gross. Actually, sweet. Maybe, Although you maybe lose Grixis Corvold? Because yeah. like, Dockside's just so good, right? Or just Grixis Corvold, yeah. No, that probably... Yeah, but then I don't green, know, the green is hard green with, ramp, yeah. with you know, the whole food chain thing, but... Yeah. And also just the ramp. Um, but yeah. Generally, that's like a lot of... That's what a lot of those swamps yeah. uh, seem to be. You, just you, could, like, also, you for, could also do some two-color... like put Tygam in. I mean, I've definitely joked about Esper Tygam, but even just blue-black Tygam seems pretty sweet. Yeah, like that's sort of nuts. Current, like, Tygam Ojutai Master in blue-black would be disgusting. What about Narset Enlightened Master? And, like, give it, you give it green? I mean, for instead of, like, white? Esper, Esper Narset seems like... <laughs> it's still a six-mana commander that has to attack. Yeah. Like, and also, when you make it Esper, you do get the tutors, but you also lose, like, all of the extra combat stuff. 
Well, I mean, you know, you just cut, oh, I guess you can go Grixis yeah, if you make instead. Esper, I think you actually, cut you cut white for for something. Yeah, you make it Grixis to, play. to get tutors. You know what actually might be the after this switch the only good blue black commander. Um, I forget the name, but the one that rebounds and your your Tiger. Tiger. You said Tiger. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Dude, Tiger. does another Although, I mean, Brago. I was so lost in thought, man. I, yeah, Brago. Just Brago. All these good. Brago. Animar. Animar. Giving Animar black. In exchange for yeah, what? Dude, in exchange for red. Like red's red. Like red, all yeah. your outlets is the thing. Salty right? Animar. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, man. like um. Oh no 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 guys oh we're so baked we're so baked yeah let's hear it it's it's Omnath Locus oh of yeah. yeah yeah give Omnath black <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah fine Sultai Omnath that's not bad yeah. <laughs> okay we, that's Salt. that's the question yeah, is done right. yeah. yeah. we we all agree that's the, the answer answered. to this question yeah. The answer to this question is Sultai Omnath. Omnath still has other text. But yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that brings us to our final question. Uh, this question is also from Tegan, uh, who answered, I think it was three questions ago. Uh, Tegan asks, I asked uh, this a week or two ago. We're not going to tell you how long ago that was. It's fine. Um, but given the recent printing of Labfish, what is the second most bannable card in the format? I think there's a lot of ways of approaching this I think question. Like maybe just Labfish. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't. I think. Yeah, like that is a good card, but I, I, I'm going to say Timna. I don't know. I'm kind of on Remora. Like Timna just gives you such a payoff for adding black to like a lot of different color combinations. And like Labfish also makes you want to run blue black. So, okay. I think Timna's a commander that Timna, or Timna or Thrasios, is like a strategy honestly, that you can very I'm, easily tech, tech against that just for some reason isn't teched against. Well, I mean, the reason it's not teched against is Flash. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess the question is the premise of this question, I, given, I that we're Thrasios, assuming, given that we're personally. assuming, we're assuming Flash is the most bannable card in the format. Are we assuming that Flash is banned in this scenario, and now we're banning a second card, or is this in lieu of a Flash? Yeah, ban? yeah, yeah. Let's assume that. Because if Flash is banned, yeah, I think Thrasios becomes one. way less good. Like activating Thrasios is not actually good. It's only good. No, but when... Thrasios as a win con in terms of infinite mana is still annoying in terms yeah, of for still, what he provides. Infinite mana combos are generally shell, pretty easy though, to assemble, and you just like don't need the infinite mana anymore. Like even if you ban Thrasios and just do Kaidel, like all of the console stuff is still pretty good still does work but i mean console as a deck with timna kaidel seems you know pretty weak man i mean so like the fact that thrasios into timna. Yeah. <laughs> i mean that being said though like if you ban timna thras vile is the obvious pick and i think it's still like comparable in power level I definitely don't. I think it's I think it's, I think it's worse than Timna, yeah, but I think, I think it's like comparable in how well it does. I, I also Thrasios, think that like the, for me, the white Thrasios, cards like are been. like a lot better than the red cards for how many like potentially white's best five cards are better than rest red's best five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're adding, <laughs> so like, I think we're a long way from answering the from, question. Casting a casting, sure, yeah. <laughs> putting a curiosity on a vile smasher being comparable to Dimna. <laughs> hey, you take that back. Yeah, I, 
I think <laughs> no putting the, a curiosity on a vile smasher is comparable to Tim. You just have to you just have to find, find the curiosity, curiosity as the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah. For, yes, yes, yeah. yes. The deck building and play restriction. Yeah. Yes. No, honestly, I'm I'm also I'm torn between wanting to to hit Thrasios and Timna or wanting to kind of just hit Consult a bit. Misty and you Rainforest. Can... <laughs> Unban Mox Ruby. No, I'm just kidding. That's the sound of my hand slapping my forehead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in terms of if you were trying to hit Consult, you know, I know this is this is just asking for a fight with morgan or or letting 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 morgan you know air air all of his grievances which which what do you want to hit morgan let's actually let, yeah let's just give you the floor here is it is, is it consult should we ban consult no we should ban we always ban tainted pack first Wait, you always hit it me? first. Yes, <laughs> but, but 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 yes. my mana efficiency it's just like tainted pack no, just i mean such a better card Honestly, yeah, Tainted Pact is a much better card. And Tainted Pact is so much better. <laughs> so <laughs> good. <laughs> Honestly, it's not even so much that people said Demonic Consultation over Tainted Pact. It's more just what really bothered me was that people said Tainted Pact and then cited the reason not as it costs two mana, but as it imposes a deck-building restriction. Oh my as god. If that's <laughs> somehow a thing. Okay, my favorite Tainted Pact uh, this is a bit of a side note. It's just the exploratory tainted pack. It's like you know what? I know I have a deck, um, and I know and I know that it has there. an answer. I know there's something. Yeah, in there. I know it has an answer. So I'm just gonna cast. I haven't, this. I haven't actually like, looked at this uh, list in a month and a half, but I think I know no. there's something in here. <laughs> just built it this I morning. I believe. Yeah. I believe if I remember make... the consultation episode correctly, the deck building restriction that tainted pack imposes is that you have to run sunken ruins. Yep, that's is the that... one. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Reasonable. Uh, that's a tough um, call. In terms of in terms of tainted pack versus consult, I'll I'll make the best argument I can to for consult over tainted pact, which I think is very it's it, it you can make an argument. I don't think it's very, very strong, but but there is something to be said. So one, it does let you it is it is cheaper. So while consult is a worse card than uh tainted pact. It being cheaper means it's much easier for you to hold up uh, counter magic to protect your combo. Um, the deck building restriction of not having uh, having to run, you know, singleton lands means you can run other things like, you know, obviously if we're thinking about the, you know, Thrasios, Timna meta, that's like almost nothing. And with these high color decks, there's there's almost no restriction or change to the mana base so you have to kind of look the other way in regards to that but you know if you're looking at something like Xur or uh Kess, then with consult you get to run the consult package and then you can also run you know high tide if you want to do some storm stuff i mean would you and uh it, that's my best that's the best argument for okay. it, i guess <laughs> even if tainted pack didn't have the restriction it has i don't think Xur would be on more than about three islands I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe. No, that's not true. That's not I guess because Zer specifically finds standard, uh, back to yeah. basics. Zer's. Back to basics, then also High Tide is good with Shimmer stuff, and Shimmer layers somewhat well with uh, console. Yeah. I mean, I you mean, can play a lot of High islands without works. actually like, playing the card called <laughs> Island. High Tide's <laughs> definitely performed in Sad Farm, and that is on a Tainted Fact mana base, but. Like, yeah, it's, so, it's so, so that's. that's but... Yeah. Um, 
and then I guess the the only other thing in terms of we were talking about the most bannable card, and that kind of insinuates that in terms of just like what's the best card for the health of the format. Um, and the most bannable card is usually the one you're going to talk about is the, the most powerful card. But banning the most powerful card is not necessarily what is best for the the health of the format. Um, and you see this kind of in in other you know one v one formats and that Wizards manages where they'll try to ban cards that are enablers. Like they will ban Faithless Looting because that's the enabler, but it doesn't necessarily kill the deck to try and make the format more healthy. So Dredge still exists, Phoenix still exists. Um, so, you know, there's obviously specific bands you can make that will just kill decks outright. Um, but in terms of consult, whether or not it's correct to ban uh, Tainted Pact versus consult or Thrasios versus Timna, et cetera, et cetera, um, the most bannable card is not necessarily the card that we think would be the next best ban. I just want to also, kind of. Also, I think yeah, one thing that's implicit in this discussion is or that the way we've been approaching this discussion is that these are bans assuming your goal was competitive balance and acknowledging i think it's just important for us to acknowledge that that is not the goal of the rules committee yeah, so no. like none of these bans are really like practical to suggest yeah i think like the probably yeah. the, the if we're talking in the context of like what's the most likely thing to be banned um rather than like what oh yeah if yeah if we interpret bannable as like what what's what what what's, you, what's yeah, the card that you put forth one thing to the rules committee to ban to be banned or to ban to ban yes the card that you could convince yeah. the rules committee to ban um it would i think it would probably just be psychrift yeah. i think it'd be ristic study it might be i think study, for the yeah. sake of cdh it would be remora but I could probably convince them more about Ristic Study. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think Remora um, probably just, deserves a ban if we're balancing. Remora is for like a tier higher for me than Consult simply because of how much of a barrier it is into the format. Like, it's such a hard card to play against, and it is and extremely it, one-sided and extremely just, unfun. And you know, if you aren't the patient type of player, or you know, you're just getting into the format, like you, you, it's just a bad time for for everyone. And honestly, even sometimes for the per, and well, for me, always when I actually play my own Remora, because I know that like the people are going to make mistakes around it and it's not necessarily their fault because it's a really hard card to play around and I'm going to benefit and it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're doing anything like, you know, skill testing. You're just you're playing this card <laughs> that like, you're, like just you're just playing, playing this card that like just wins you the game. How often do you and I exchange looks <laughs> at how people are playing around? Oh, <laughs> God. Like, like I'll let I'll let a smothering tithe go maybe once. And then I'm like, then I'm like, just, you know, a turn goes by and I'm like, oh, damn, he's got 10 treasures. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> But there were only three draw steps. What's going on? Oh, Anyways. and also, yeah, it's it's crazy. One more, one more suggestion, uh, courtesy of Jim from the Spike Feeders, that I actually genuinely do agree on is divine intervention. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I like it. Read Matt. Matt. Share no, I know what last. divine intervention is. <laughs> share I, I with wanted our to look listeners. <laughs> share with our listeners. Oh, sure, sure. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, which we want? Do we want original text or, or rules text? <laughs> Let's go with the oracle. Let's go with text. the rules. Yeah, do oracle. Yeah, yeah. Oracle. Okay, oracle. Okay. So, um, I believe this is the oracle. D 
Divine Intervention enters the battlefield with two intervention counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove an intervention counter from Divine Intervention. When you remove the last intervention counter from Divine Intervention, the game is a draw. <laughs> and that doesn't mean everyone draws a card. That means the game is over and there's no winners and there's still lo- Well, there's pretty much just losers. Everyone is losing. Yeah. <laughs> no winners, only losers. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a good one that I think would be. I, I think that yeah. I could see the RC eventually. I think they should ban know, coming around on that all Hallows Eve, re- but only when the <laughs> okay. rules were such that it was an enchantment instead of a sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're 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 wearing this question then a bit. So uh, before we wrap things up, we've got everyone's favorite segment: gut check. Gut <laughs> check. <laughs> Gut check. Gut check. <laughs> Woo. Okay. You like them. Don't pretend I, you don't. I, I, <laughs> it's a character. Come on. So, this gut check is blatantly stolen from a topic of the Command Zone did like ages ago. And I've, I've mm. saved it in my back pocket for just the right opportunity. So, art for this uh, episode is blatant thievery? Is that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, so. This gut check is, what is the best card in your deck? And so, just just to qualify this, I came up with, or I, I stole this before that uh, <laughs> oracle was announced. What kind of credit so, are you trying to take right now? <laughs> so you, I can't, stole this before it was yeah easy. <laughs> no, no, Thassa's oracle, you know. BS. Like, pretend, pretend. Thassa's Oracle hasn't been printed and ruined this format. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, keep, keep that in mind. What is the best card in your deck? I guess pre pre Thassa's Oracle. All right. Well, so I've said I this know card's name multiple times. Is it is yeah. it oh, best sorry. or let's, favorite? Let's go in the or could it be a hybrid? <laughs> okay. So two one, answers. One thing, serious. I, I've, right, I've discussed this question. Like I've asked this question to people on the Gitrog server because, of course, I'm going to talk about the best card in Gitrog. And one thing I want to kind of throw out is that we're not going it, to... It's it's the best card that isn't, you know, some generic tutor or, you know, mana crypt or something. It should be something that's... Um, if, you, if you were to take your deck and compare it to, you know, all the other decks, it, it should be a card that stands above the other... It can be stuff that's shared between decks, but it should be doing something Ugh, unique in your deck okay. that's, you know, elevating it. Um, yeah, does, I mean the best yeah. card in my deck is Remora, but I'm not going to say that now. Does yeah. winning the game at two mana at instant speed count as unique? Because not a lot of other decks do that. It depends. Do literally all the other decks that play that card do that just as well? No, 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 no. Because no, 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 no. hold up, hold up, hold up. Breakfast does it at three mana. Sacred also does it at three mana. The only other deck that does it at two wow. mana is DMV. Fine, Reed. You're allowed to. You're allowed to give Flash as an answer, but you have Fine. to give a my, second my, answer as well. Uh, probably the other train. This is for shuffle, by the way, for context. If people don't know for yes. some reason. Um, yeah, everyone put on your archaeology glasses and dig through the uh, old archives to find the uh, um, Shuffle Hulk list. It would probably in the be pre, in the pre sushi world. A tie of either Academy Rector or Survival of the Fittest. Oh, it's definitely like Academy that. Rector. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Rector. But like Survival is just also cards, so good though. that deck. Yeah, Survival is hot. I yeah, like. Survival. I feel like I, before I answer this, I have to ask a question to the other three members of this podcast. Shoot. What is my deck? 
like it's Muldrotha. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Is that your answer? But good. Because <laughs> yeah, but then you get to say Zer's weird. Yeah, I do. So I don't want to give you an easy answer. <laughs> so you're you're on Kess. You're on Kess. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you want to go? Which Kess do you want to be? Kess Storm or Kess Console? We play Kess Console, so. There you go, Kess Storm. Okay. That's Kess your deck. Is it just Mind Desire? I feel like it's just Mind Desire. <laughs> Yeah, there's a decent. Yeah. Case. What do you mean? Kest Storm is just a bunch. Actually, of no. I think there's. Cards. I think there's actually a card that's been so, better than Morgan. You, you've got a, You've got a card, or do you want to? Do you want? Uh, yeah, I've got my card. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm okay. gonna say. You go for it's it. It's Paradox Cloak. Come. Just a ritual that also draws cards is a very very yes. silly nice. card, and it's um, so much fun to play. Matt, do you do you have your answer? Uh, it's kind of a two parter. Uh, the first one is Neoform, and the second one is Linvala. <laughs> AKA Neoform <laughs> what, into what Linvala. Is, what is the deck? <laughs> what What is the deck for, uh, for the uh, Non black, Thrasios, Bruce, value. That's just what I'm playing right now. So, actually, nice. credit yeah. to Matt, neither of his commanders Neoform into Linvala, so those are actually separate <laughs> answers. Yeah, but it seems like the only thing I do because it's just. It stops everyone else in this metagame. Okay. Come on, Matt. Your answer so, should have been Sigil Tracer. I love that you're just teching it. It makes me so yeah, happy. Well, the, the 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 whole deck is just a bunch of techs, right? Yeah. Also, if that was <laughs> that's the best way to describe your if deck. I was, <laughs> just tech if cards. I was talking about Inala, I mean, probably the answer should have been Spellseeker, but I feel like I would have just said Sigil Tracer because, like, I don't know, your okay, Wincon so, is obviously you know the best card in your deck. But my deck is Gitrog, of course. Now, I've had this discussion with Morgan, so he knows what I'm going to say, but I'm curious, before I give my answer, I want to hear what Matt and Reed think the best card in Gitrog is. Um, That's not like a compliment. I mean, probably so you've just asked me this question, and we've had this discussion. Yeah, probably so just I'm gonna, oh, wait, did alone. I have this discussion with you, Matt? <laughs> no, but I'm going to tell you the answer that I... I'm going to give you the answer I originally said first. Okay. Just to be, just to be I don't know, genuine about it. Like, crop rotation. Okay. Oh my god. I, I like I like the crop rotation answer. Um because as as a game rock pile myself, my first thought was uh life from alone. And to give the justification for that, it's that it's a very early uh tutor target often because it's a strong value engine. Um because it's that borked. is generally a remute generally remute uh sorry, generally immune to uh counter magic, with the exception of like force of negation. Mm, force uh, of negation. It's just gonna be delaying <laughs> delaying a life in the loam is the best feeling in the world. <laughs> yeah, delay is also not that fun. And then the fact that you can then turn it into a pseudo version of Dakmore after you've just like filled your large. So you've got Gitrog, uh, Discord Outlet, and you cast Life from Alone, put three lands into your hand, and you're just going to discard and keep dredging that until you hit Dakmore. The fact that it, it's value engine and part combo piece or tutor for your combo piece just pushes it above the the rest, in, in my opinion. Um, so that's that's my answer. But I didn't even really think of crop rotation. And I think uh, if I'm recalling our discussion, you, you had a really uh, interesting reason for that. And I'd, I'd like for you to share that if that's that's cool. Are you talking to me or Morgan? Uh, I think it was Morgan who gave me the argument, yeah, so, right? Yeah, I, I had this discussion with you like a month ago, um, which is basically that um, crop rotation is the deck, or is the card that lets the deck do the most sort of unexpected things um for it's a critical part of the instant speed 
win cons, which is huge, but also just like finding homeward path, finding like if you have to spend a demonic tutor on homeward path, that really doesn't feel good. Um, you know, netting cards in hand, using it, using it as a ritual with something like cradle, um, emergence zone, like as someone who plays against Gitrog a lot. Life and Loam is obviously extremely powerful, but it's pretty straight. It's a known quantity. It's a known quantity. It's pretty yeah. straightforward. It's like, oh, we got Life and the Loam. He's doing the Life from the Loam things. We should, you know, find a way to exile the Life and the Loam or, you know, take away access to the graveyard. And, like, you know what you have to do. But playing against Gitrog, if I could know that they never had crop rotation, that would mean a lot more to me than knowing that they never had Life in the Loam. Yeah, in many ways, you can think of, you know, you mentioned all the things that crop rotation can do. It, depending on the right circumstances, it is like, oh, it can be an ancestral recall or, you know, a very powerful dark ritual or something like that. Like, it does, it do, it really does do a lot. Very strong utility piece. Um, but yeah, so I thought this was a really interesting concept when the command zone did it and definitely something very interesting when you apply it to CDH. Uh, and I, I think well, what I really liked was hearing... Uh, other people's perspective on the deck you play. And I think that gives a lot of insight into uh, how your opponents perceive it, uh, perceive the deck, and maybe things that you're overlooking in terms of uh, pivotal strong cards in your deck or strategies that you should be leaning into more. So I encourage our listeners to, you know, ask your play group what the strongest card in your deck is and give all, you know, the necessary caveats. But it's it, it'll be really interesting to see... Uh, how your playgroup responds, especially when it doesn't align with what you think the best card is. Um, but yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. So if you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at into the North pod via our email into the North podcast at gmail.com or on our discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who have covered the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash into the North podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our long-suffering podcast editor Roadkill. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. See ya. See ya. Have a good one.